Well, I want to, uh, I want to say thank you to Christina. Um, thank you for stepping out of your comfort zone. Your, your testimony was great, and it blessed us. It was great. Definitely, uh, God definitely led you to share that this morning, so thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to just kind of to say, you know, Doug mentioned that, um, you know, I've asked for the last Sunday off, and, and I'm glad you said that you know that I love you guys. Um, and that's very true. I, I love you guys. I appreciate you. It's been, um, to this point, it's just been a, just a fantastic and wonderful and blessed experience for us to be here with you guys. And so uh, thank you for that. And um, when, when we're not here, it is for us to, to get some rest and, you know, just kind of get renewed, refreshed, and refilled. But, uh, but we'll miss being here with you, for sure. So, uh, you know, that's, that's for sure. But um, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to, to get that refreshing. Um, you know, as I, as I was preparing this message, as I was getting ready to preach to you today, uh, you know, this, this is um, a message that, uh, like I said last week, we, we've just kind of been following the life of Jesus. Uh, if you've noticed, we just kind of like, uh, first of the year, we kind of picked up with his life as a young boy. And then we just kind of been going through times of his life and things that he did and things that he taught. And uh, I just love that last song that led into this because uh, there is no one like Jesus and there's no one to, uh, to emulate that's better than him. There's no one to listen to when he teaches. There's no one uh, better to, uh, to just see how to live this life and do the things that we're doing as his followers. And so we're going to continue to do that today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the time in which he fed the multitudes and uh, it's, it's a wonderful and exciting story, and so I'm looking forward to getting to that. But before we do, I have some questions for you and then some things that will lead up to uh, the scripture text that, we, that we're going to use today. Uh, by the way, if you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn there and be ready to, to look at that, uh, and it'll be on the screen as well. But uh, the, the scripture reference is Luke 9, uh, 10 through 17, and so you can kind of go there and, and be ready to, to look at that. But uh, here, here's uh, how I want to start. I want to start with some questions this morning. And so, uh, have you ever given up something for God? Have you ever given up something for God? Um, if you've ever given an offering, then you've, you've done that, right? You've done that. Do you know that God wants us uh, to place what we have in his hands? Do you know that, that we uh, have resources and uh, automatically what we think about when we talk about placing things in, in God's hands, we probably think about money, right? And we're, and we're definitely talking about that as we talk about our resources. We're talking about money, but when we're talking about resources, we're talking about all kinds of things and really this is our greatest resource, right? From here to the tips of our toes, we have this resource, right? And so uh, do you realize that God wants us to place our resources in his hands? 
And he really wants uh, us to take what is ours and give it over to him. Because really, what is ours is his anyway. Amen? Amen. So there's really no greater thing that we can do with our resources than to give them to God so that people can see and experience him. Now, some have said, uh, you know, well, some people have uh, great resources. Some people have many things and great things. And some people have a few things and small things. But uh, doesn't really matter because whatever we have, it's really proportionate. And we are to give God all of what we have. This is contrasted in the scriptures uh, in, in a lot of different ways. But one of the ways that's contrasted that I, that I noticed as I was looking at this is the rich young ruler. Some of you know that story. I'm not going to assume that everybody does, but some of you know that story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler had many things, didn't he? If you know the story, he had many things. And we know from the story that he loved those things too much to follow Jesus. If you know the story, if you're familiar with the story, you know that. That the rich young ruler had many things and he loved those things too much to follow Jesus. That's really a very short, in a nutshell, paraphrase of that story, but that's exactly basically what was going on there. On the flip side of that, uh, there was a time in which Jesus was sitting and he was watching those who were giving into the offering. And as he watched, there was a widow that put in, it says, two small coins. And as she put in two small coins, Jesus was impressed with her giving. So on one side, we have somebody that has great things, many things, and he's unwilling to part with those things to follow Jesus. On the other side, the other contrast, we have the widow, and she has two small coins And she gives those small coins to Jesus, and it is impressive to Jesus. Great or small? Great or small? Do you believe that God can take our offerings, our resources, and supersize them? Right? Supersize them. Um, Making them plentiful and bountiful and overflowing. There's this, this song, it's, it's, a, it's an old hymn. I think it was written in the 1920s, somewhere around the 1920s. Uh, and, and the song is called, Little is Much When God is in It. And the song has a line that says this, Little is much when God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. It's a really nice little song. I, I, I love that, that old hymn. It's a really good song. It has a great message to it. I, the, the only thing about that song that, that I would want to communicate is that the Lord doesn't expect us to give a little. <laughs> he expects us to give everything. 
Now, that's not a popular thing to say. I get that. Maybe this will be my last Sunday here. <laughs> I don't know. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but it is the truth that the Lord expects us to give it all. He, he asks for total surrender. He asks for complete submission. You're giving it all to him, and what you receive in return is amazing. Right? If you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. That when you give God your all, that what you receive in return is amazing. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It is such a blessing. And, and I can't, if you haven't received that, if you haven't experienced that, I really can't explain it to you. You're going to have to try it. Now, I mentioned the rich young ruler. I'm going to I'm going to summarize again and give you a little more, okay, just a little more. Uh, but this is summary. This is Chuck's paraphrase. This, okay, this isn't like word for word, but, but this is a, a summarization. He came to Jesus and he asked, what good must I do to have eternal life? What good must I do to have eternal life? Well, they had some dialogue back and forth, and basically it came down to this. Jesus eventually said to him, sell all your belongings and give it to the poor and you will receive treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Okay. Trade. Okay. Now this is my paraphrase of what Jesus said. Okay. Trade holding on to your stuff for following me. Trade holding on to your stuff for following me. Now, sadly, the rich young ruler went away grieving because the word says he had many possessions. He went away grieving. He went away making a decision not to do that because he had many possessions. Indicating that the more that we have on this earth, the harder it is to give it all to Jesus. That's why Jesus basically said there at the end of that whole uh, dialogue uh, that basically he said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And basically what he was saying is, I think he was saying, the more you have, the more tempting it is to hold tightly to what you have and not hold it with loose grip. With a loose grip. But I ask you this morning, what if he would have given everything to follow Jesus? What if he would have sold it all and gave it to the poor and followed Jesus? What would, that, uh, what would have happened? I ask you this morning, do you think he would have been disappointed? Do you think that he would have done that, and then six months into following Jesus, six months after walking with Jesus and seeing all the things that he could see and, and hearing all the teachings that he could hear and, and witnessing all the many things that Jesus did and becoming the, a disciple of Jesus, do you think six months into that he would have thought, man, I wish I would have held on to my gold. 
I, I, I really wish I had that silver. <laughs> I don't think that he would have felt that way at all. In fact, I think his life would have been changed forever. I think he would have quickly forgotten about the gold and the silver that he gave up because he would have so much more in Jesus than he would have in those material possessions. So is it safe to say, is it safe to say, based on the scriptures, that God is asking for our best? Do this for yes, and this, and this for no. Is it safe to say, according to the scriptures, that God is asking for, uh, let's use a more biblical term, our first fruits? We talk about that, right? First fruits. And, and, and what that means to me, just to kind of to, to put it in terms that I get, is that I need to give God his before I do anything else, else with it. Because chances are, if I don't do that, then when it's time to give God his, I'll be all out. <laughs> right? When we give to God, we're trusting him in the exchange. Amen? We're trusting him in the exchange. Basically, what we're saying is, God, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this resource. I'm giving you this, and, and, and it could be money, but it could be also any other thing that we're giving to him. I'm giving you this resource. I'm giving you my all, and I trust that you are going to do something special with it. Can you trust him? Can you trust God? I want to take you this morning to a great example of this. It's found in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. Luke chapter 9, verse 10 through 17 may be familiar, but there's so many great lessons in this. It says, when the apostles returned, and let me give you, let me stop there and let me give you a little background Okay, Jesus had just been called to Jairus' house because Jairus' daughter was dying. And so he was making his way to Jairus' house. He was in a crowd. Jesus was always in a crowd, wasn't he? He was in a crowd. He was making his way to Jairus' house. And someone, a lady, touched the hem of his garment and, you know, he's, he's in a crowd, so people are, are bumping him, and he's rubbing up against people, and all of a sudden, someone touches the hem of his garment, and he says, somebody touch me. And you can imagine the disciples like, hello, like, they've got, like, tons of people touching you. What are you talking about? But he knew, and he stopped, and he ministered to this lady. He healed her, and he continued on to Jairus' house, and he got there, and Jairus' daughter was dead. And he raised her to life. Another great miracle. And then that, they, they came out of that. And, and, and when he came out of that, and, and uh, you know, he, he then, he takes his disciples and he sends them out. 
And he sends them out to minister and to preach the good news and to share the, the good news and the gospel and, and help the, the people to understand and heal people. And they came back rejoicing because that's exactly what happened. And so that's where we're picking this up. Okay, so we are talking about his disciples who had witnessed some things that were amazing, fantastic miracles. And they, it was fresh. It was fresh. They just witnessed these things. Okay? So, with that background, it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that they had done. He took them along and withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds found out, there's a crowd again. When the crowds found out, they followed him. He welcomed them spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the day, the 12 approached and said to him, send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging because we are in a deserted place here. You give them something to eat, he told them. We have no more than five loaves and two fish, they said. Unless we go and buy food for all these people, for about 5,000 men were there. Then he told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. They did what he said and had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. He kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd Everyone ate and was filled. They picked up 12 baskets of leftover pieces. Have you not always enjoyed this story? <laughs> this is amazing, right? This is fantastic. Now, first of all, I want to ask you, why do you think the crowds were following Jesus? Go ahead, you can answer. I heard it. Mir they wanted to see a miracle, right? Actually, it's funny because when you, this miracle, the, the feeding of the 5,000, this miracle is the only miracle other than the resurrection that is recorded in all four gospels, okay? And so be because of that, we're going to do a little cross-referencing. We're going to be looking at, at some of the other gospels uh, at least referencing them, uh, to talk about a fuller picture of what happened that day. And it's interesting because in verse 2 of John 6, John also telling the same story, tells, uh, it, it tells us that the crowd was following Jesus because they had seen Jesus doing miracles. They had witnessed him doing miracles, and so they were following along. Wouldn't that be the case for us as well? I mean, if we were witnessing miracles take place, the blind made to see, the deaf made to hear, the lame walking again, we would have a tendency, I want to go follow that guy. I want to watch what's going on. I want to see this. And maybe we'd be thinking, I want a piece of that myself, right? And so the crowds were following. These people who had been following Jesus had witnessed what he could do. Now, what's interesting about that 
it's not exactly the same, but I can say this for quite certainly in my own heart. We have witnessed Jesus do miracles as well. Amen? We have witnessed miracles take place as well. We have been able to experience miracles of healing. We have experienced miracles of provision. I want to tell you, when Barbie and I started out, we started out poe. I mean, we were... We were struggling when we started out. I mean, we lived in a, in a little box. I mean, you could almost, we, there were certain rooms we could go into and we could touch the walls, you know? And there were times we didn't have money for groceries. And you know what would take place when we really needed groceries? There were groceries on our doorstep. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was miraculous. And there were times that it came from people like our family that knew exactly what we were going through. But there were also times that it came and we would say to family, did you do this? And they'd say, no, we didn't. They didn't have any idea. We don't know where they came from. <laughs> We've seen miracles of, of the, the, the healing, the provision, and also restoration. <laughs> We, we, had a, a, we have, we, we have a, two really, really good friends of ours that we don't get to see very often because we live so far away now. But, but back in the day when we were all kind of living in the same area, we watched these, these friends and we, our hearts were aching because their marriage was on the rocks. I mean, they, they were struggling. And we were praying for them. We were praying for them. And the church was praying for them. And we, it, it didn't look good. And it came to the point, the day of the, the time in which their, uh, you know, separation was going to be official. We were praying. And the day of, God intervened and restored their relationship. And now they're... They're a couple that's serving the Lord together and are deeply in love and have a tremendous family. It's just amazing. It's miraculous. You see, we have witnessed the miracles. We have been part of seeing God do amazing things. Amen? Have you seen it? Have you witnessed it? Have you been a part of it? Amen. For sure. For sure. And so when you look at, at Jesus and you look at and, and see what he's doing, yes, we're following Jesus. And it should not just be because of the miracles, but certainly that's part of it. Part of it is that we have been witnesses to what God can do, right? And God does the miraculous. Now, also, I want you to see and believe that Jesus knows your needs before you even ask him. He knows your needs before you even ask him. Now, we see in Luke 12, or, or in Luke 9, verse 12, or, I'm sorry, we see in Luke 9 that the 12, you see where I was going there, uh, <laughs> came to Jesus to ask him to send the people away to go get food. But again, if you reference John and, and how John was telling this, this same story, and please, I just want to say this before I go any further, because some might be saying, so John's telling a lot of different details. Is that contradictory? No, it's not contradictory. It really isn't. If we all witnessed, if every single one of us witnessed an event, 
take place? And then we were interviewed about that event. Do you think that the people interviewing us would get all the same exact answer? No, we would be sharing different details, right? And that's what's going on here. John's sharing different details. It's the same story. There's no contradiction taking place here because the word never contradicts itself, okay? And so John, uh, uh, verse, again, uh, John 6, verse 5, we see Jesus looking at the people and perceiving their need. It says that when Jesus noticed the crowd, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that we can feed these people, so these people can eat? Jesus didn't need to ask the people if they were hungry. He didn't need to hear their bellies growling. You know, you know how our bellies growl. He didn't need to hear that. Jesus knew they were hungry because he knew their needs. He was, he was perceptive of what was going on in their lives. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus cares about us deeply? He cares about us so deeply that he knows what we're going through. He knows our situation. He knows what's happening in our life. He knows if we're struggling to pay the bills. He knows if we're struggling to put food on the table. He knows if we're struggling with that boss at work. He knows the things that are going on in our lives. He knows all about our needs and he cares about it. You see, he wasn't just perceptive that the people had a need. He also cared that they had a need and wanted to meet that need. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. And that's wonderful, isn't it? So uh, now imagine with me. I got to take a drink. My mouth is so dry. Imagine with me if we all met here at the church and we decided we're, gonna, we're just going to walk through Talmadge. And we, we met here at the church, and we uh, started walking through Talmadge. And as we were walking through Talmadge, people were coming along, and people were joining us. And we're getting a bigger and bigger group. And we're just, you know, we got this great big group of people, and we're walking around Talmadge. And we end up in the middle of the circle down there. I don't know if the circle will handle 5,000 people, but let's say there's 5,000 of us by the time we get down to the circle. And so we have 5,000 people in the circle, and, and I... I look at Charlie and I say, Charlie, where are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to feed all <laughs> Charlie said, I don't know. <laughs> but let's pretend Charlie would say, well, there's Taco Bell right there, you know. <laughs> and they have cheap tacos. <laughs> I, I thought I'd get some amens today. I didn't think it would be for cheap tacos. <laughs> I did not think that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you realize this morning that there is no limitation to what Jesus can do? There is no limitation to what Jesus can do. And for some reason, and I think that the, the reason's obvious, because Jesus... Jesus knew what he was going to do, and yet he asked Philip this question. You see, I believe that he's, he's setting up Philip, and he's setting up the rest of the disciples for a faith lesson, okay? And so 
There's no limitation to what Jesus can do. And yet he asked Philip this question to see what Philip would say. And in verse 13 of Luke 9, we see that Jesus tells the 12 disciples, you give them something to eat. <laughs> That's hilarious, really. I mean, it, it really is. If you think about it, it's just hilarious. You know, it's like, where are we going to get, you know, the food to give all these people, you know, to Philip? And then when the 12 come and they, they're expressing the, you know, kind of panic, what are we going to do? You give them something to eat. And I don't know about you, but when I read the scriptures, I like to imagine the looks on people's faces. You know? Can you imagine the looks on their faces when he said that? You give them something to eat. He's setting up the 12 disciples for a faith lesson. The disciples' response is to remind Jesus what their resources are. That's laughable, isn't it? They're going to tell Jesus what their resources are. You ever done that? I have. I have. But Jesus already knows, doesn't he? Jesus knows what their resources are better than the disciples do. More specifically, in John's account, Philip said that it would take a, a half to two-thirds of a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, that would be like me saying to Charlie, let's get 2,500 tacos and everybody can have a half a taco. We'll cut those things in half. But they tell Jesus that, that, that they have five small, uh, small barley loaves and two small fish. Now, we see from looking at the other gospels that these loaves and this, these fish come from a young boy, right? Now, Luke doesn't mention a young boy, but other accounts mention that they come from a young, a young boy. And it doesn't record it, but uh, as they bring, as they bring the, the loaves and the fish to Jesus, and, and set the, the loaves and the fish before Jesus, I can imagine them setting them down and then going, okay. <laughs> have at it. I don't know what you're going to do here, but this is all we have. And so without missing a beat, Jesus starts having people sit down. Without missing a beat, he's, he's like ready to start feeding people. And so the boy, uh, when you think about the boy, the boy had an amazing lunch, didn't he? I mean, for that young boy, that's an amazing lunch. Five loaves of bread and two fish, that's a big lunch for a boy. So I think that it was a lunch that he brought for his whole family. And so he had this amazing lunch for he himself or his whole family. But I think even the boy thinks this isn't enough for everyone. But check this out. I'll give it to Jesus for whatever he can get out of it. <laughs> Ooh, there, there's a good one right there, right? That's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. And here's one of the great truths that we see in the scripture. Whatever you give to Jesus, he can get far more out of it than you ever dreamed. 
Now you might want to write that down because that's important. You, you might want to remember that because that is really important for us in our lives. That's important for us in the life of the church. Amen? Whatever you give to Jesus, he can get far more out of it than you ever dreamed or imagined. Another way to look at it, whatever you give to Jesus will be a lot more satisfying in his hands than in your hands. Okay, so per personalize that. Uh, say this to yourself, or, or again, write it down, because you might need this later. You might need it now, you might need it later. Whatever I give to Jesus will be a lot more satisfying in his hands than in my hands. You see, Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. He thanks the Father, and I believe as he thanks the Father, he asks the Father's blessing on it. Have you ever thought that when you give something to Jesus that he's holding it up to the Father and asking the Father's blessing upon it? <laughs> that, that's really a, a fantastic thought. That's a fantastic, uh, it, it really kind of reshapes our thinking about what we're giving to the Lord. That when we give something to the Lord, he's, he's offering it up to the Father and he's asking the Father's blessing upon it. Okay, so, so you know, uh, strap in tight, here we go. I'm telling you, I'm telling you this morning that whatever your resources are, whatever your resources are, whatever you have in the way of finances, whatever, the way, whatever you have in the way of possessions, whatever you have in the way of time, energy, talents, gifts, uh, intellect, compassion, uh, love, wisdom. See, these are all resources of ours. We, we think that we don't have much. We have a lot. And whatever that you can give in those ways, whatever you can give, when you give it to Jesus, count on it, bank it. He's holding it up to the Father, the creator of everything, the one who, uh, who spoke things into existence. He's holding it up to the Father, and he's asking the Father's blessing on it, and it's going to be taken by the Father and used greatly for the kingdom of God, for things that you can't imagine and things that you can't even know that's going to happen until I think we get to heaven and actually see it. <laughs> Treasures in heaven. Isn't that what Jesus told the rich young ruler? Go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. 5,000 men, not even counting the women and children. So I've heard some people say more like, more like 15,000. I've heard that. And Jesus, Jesus starts distributing food. And he breaks a loaf, and there's another. <laughs> and he serves the fish, and there's another. And, and it's amazing. It seems magical, but it's not magic. It's God's provision through what we give him. <laughs> you see, 
That's how important your resources are. You see, Jesus didn't just start using, uh, pulling fish and bread out of thin air. He used a, a gift. <laughs> he used an offering, right? And so that's how important our resources are. That's how important what we give truly is to the kingdom. When we trade in what God has given us, uh, giving it back to God, God uses it better and more profitable than we ever could. He not only does some amazing things with it, but he multiplies it so much that there is excess. After all the people were fed to their heart's content, they still had 12 baskets full of the five loaves of bread. Check this out. A basket for every disciple. <laughs> so as they collected the leftovers, each disciple came <laughs> back with a basket full. And their eyes were like, I can't believe what I just saw. And the faith lesson was amazing. It was fantastic. Now I'm gonna wrap this up, I'll wrap this up. Let me ask you something. Do you think the boy who supplied the loaves and the fish went away hungry? <laughs> no way, no way, absolutely not. He didn't, go, he didn't go away physically hungry, but more importantly, and I think what's even greater, he didn't go away Spiritually hungry either. I love this. He experienced the thrill of a lifetime. He didn't, have, he didn't have his five loaves and his two fish anymore, but do you think for a moment that he was sorry? <laughs> you will never be sorry for what you give to God. And so we should do likewise. If we are to see the blessings and depth of what God wants to do in our lives and the life of our church, let us come to him holding loosely to what we have and give it to Jesus. Our five loaves and two fish. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, as we, uh, as we have read your word, we're so excited. We're so excited about what it has shared with us, what you have told us today, the lessons, the deep lessons that we have learned, the spiritual lessons, the, the meat in which you have fed us with today. And we thank you and praise you, Lord that you have showed us this great exchange, that we get, when we give of our resources to you, that great blessings take place in our life, yes, but also in the lives of others. And thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for showing us that this morning. May it change us. May it help us to look at giving of ourselves in a different light. <laughs> 
And help us, Lord, to be uh, grateful givers, um, givers that are, are glad to give, and, and, and givers that are, will give in a way that uh, just expects great things to happen when we give of our resources. Thank you, Lord, for this church, from what I hear, a giving church. Thank you, Lord, for that. Make us more of a giving church. Make us everything that you want us to be. Help us to have that total surrender, giving you of our first fruits, giving to see great things happen in the kingdom and looking forward to what you have in store. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us these things. It's in your name we pray. Amen.